Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. All right, so today we are going to look at uh, what's going on in Argentina um, and what it does and doesn't mean for crypto. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time on that, and then we're also going to look quickly at um, another delay in the Bitcoin ETF in the US. And, uh, and also we're going to breeze through some really excellent research on crypto developers. But let's dive in. So uh, I thought that this, uh, this tweet from Zero Hedge was uh, uncharacteristically on point. Um, geopolitical update, it says China trade war, Hong Kong revolt, German recession, Italy Eve, Argentina's ARS pounded, Russian nuke explosion, pound parity with euro now, US dollar tomorrow, Iran tanker safari, everyone on vacation. Uh, that was from 10 a.m. on Monday. Um, and that's really been kind of the tone of it for the last couple of days. Uh, there's so much going on in the kind of larger macro context um, that it's hard to spend too much time even zeroed in on just what's happening in crypto. I think um, part of why I like to spend time on these larger uh, challenges and larger issues is that I think that, that the, the struggle for power, um, broadly speaking, is kind of the, the, the cauldron in which crypto and Bitcoin are being formed. Um, and they're really, really important. Um, so I just actually wanted to go back to uh, yesterday, if you saw the Masari Narrative Watch, or if you watched on Friday, we've been spending a lot of time looking at this idea of Bitcoin as a, as a safe haven narrative. Um, Arca today wrote another uh, great piece kind of about why it might be. They dig into um, just what what the, the major financial uh, flaws or central flaws in the major in the financial system are. So billions unbanked, low financial literacy, high cost, low trust, skyrocketing inequality, currency manipulation, instability and censorship, and systemic risk. And really, they're, they're diving in deep about systemic risk. The question, of course, that we've spent the last week talking about, and I, and I don't think is going away anytime soon, is whether Bitcoin actually uh, provides a safe haven for the, uh, against that um, or in that context. And, uh, you know, the, the reality is the jury's out. There's a lot of different uh, points of view on this. Um, and I just wanted to, to kind of give one additional uh, point of view is kind of a, a rehash of, of what we talked about before. But Coinmetrics' latest um, State of the Network report uh, dug a little deeper into this idea of Bitcoin as a safe haven asset and found, shows that it, it has potential. Um, and I, you know, I, I will recommend that you go read this, but effectively that they're showing both kind of non-correlation, but also growing uh, in general with the larger markets, but also um, non or a, a growing correlation with, with gold and, and suggesting of kind of a similar use case to gold, maybe propping up that digital gold narrative. Um, and in particular, they dig into what it might mean in terms of black swan events. Um, so big, unexpected, kind of large, catastrophic events um, that that have a, a huge impact on the, the larger macro economy. Um, and speaking of which, that kind of gets us to our first full topic for the day, which is Argentina and what's happening in Argentina. So uh, over the weekend, um, uh, there was a primary, effectively, uh, in in that country. Uh, around uh, presidential primary. And um, Wall Street and kind of the financial mainstream was pretty convinced that uh, Mauricio Macri, who's the president now, who is um, a much more uh, kind of, uh, conservative isn't the right word, but just economically um, uh, right, uh, or at least moderate, um, comparatively speaking, to his predecessor, Christina Kirchner, uh, he's been in power for a couple of years, and the the basically the conventional wisdom was that he was going to um, do just fine in this in this runoff, and uh, and that was not the case. Um, he ended up uh, being crushed by his uh, by his opponent um, Alberto Fernandez, uh, who is running as he's kind of a, a technocratic 
leader. So he's not a full kind of dogmatist populist. Um, but Christina Kirshner, who is kind of even more populist than he is and was the previous executive, is running as his vice president. Um, so in the in the in the this sort of primary results, um, not only did Macri not win, he lost 47 to 33 percent. So uh, it's huge shock to the system. And there were really uh, immediate impacts, right? So um, the Financial Times points out the Argentinian peso tumbled for a second day. This is from this morning as investors remain jittery about the country's political future. So it lost something like the peso lost something like 30 percent of its value against uh, against the U.S. dollar. And as you can see, um, it was already down something like 50 percent over the last couple of years, um, which, by the way, might explain why there is political unrest and a desire for political change. Um, you had uh, just a huge sell-off in the stock market, something like a 48% uh, stock uh, decline in a single day. Um, so Josh Brown writes, Argentina's stock market got cut in half today. Uh, and, you know, as always happens, obviously, our community is, is kind of interested in these big um, black swan type events, these big major economic and political shifts. And some people noticed, uh, this is from Box Mining, that the Bitcoin was trading at a premium. Um, of uh, 12,300 um, as compared to it was around 11,400, 11,500 everywhere else. Um, it was impacted, as we'll see later, uh, the price yesterday of Bitcoin by, um, by another uh, ETF can kick down the road by the SEC. So there did seem to be some uh, amount of uh, premium Bitcoin selling. Um, but interestingly, and I think this is really a, a good and positive sign, um, there are uh, lots of folks from not just Latin America in general, but Argentina specific, who are in the Bitcoin and who are in the cryptocurrency community. Um, and they were very quick to tamp down the, uh, the, you know, things are going to hell in Argentina, yay Bitcoin narrative. So um, you have Maria Paula, very strong words. Uh, Bitcoin's not going to save Argentina. Dai is not going to save Argentina. DAOs are certainly fucking not going to save Argentina. Nothing we can ever save a country, nothing we build can ever save a country like Venezuela or Argentina because the problems are more than 100 years old and our tools are futile still. Um, and she goes through this and they, there's a huge amount of conversation kicked up by this. You know, obviously 200, 200 something likes, uh, a really strong conversation. And basically her point is that these issues have to do with um, the broad patterns of, of shift from kind of uh, industrial to populist and back again in a never-ending and uh, ultimately self-defeating cycle. Um, Alex Kruger, who many of you may not know is actually from Argentina uh, originally, um, said something similar, if, if a little bit different. So he says, before Bitcoiners start using Argentina, my country, as an excuse to yell, buy Bitcoin and generate clicks and sell newsletters, Argentines want to protect themselves against the peso losing value versus the dollar. For that, they buy dollars. Now he goes on to say, I do believe everyone should have Bitcoin, Argentines in particular. I'm openly bullish Bitcoin for multiple reasons. However, I don't think it is right to use a national tragedy to fabricate uninformed narratives. The peso and all Argentine risk assets collapsed overnight in response to a very specific political event, i.e. primary elections and the almost certain return of power to a socialist corrupt regime. I'll, I'll share some views on that later. Um, he, in fact, did. He wrote a great thread on uh, MMT and socialism in, in, in the Argentinian context specifically. Um, and, and so I think that Alex is right on, right? So uh, I do believe everyone should have Bitcoin, Argentines in particular. I'm openly bullish for multiple reasons. However, I don't think it is right to use a national tragedy to fabricate uniform, uninformed narratives. Um, the point that he's making is that, you know, one, um, there's a really important uh, thing as, as we, you know, we can't go from um, being interested in the power 
of a non-sovereign asset like Bitcoin um, to to help in these situations to actively rooting for them. Um, and that line is surprisingly easy to get blurry in the context of uh, social media conversation. Um, second, and this goes back to Maria's point, I think a little bit, there is a uh, there's a real question or, or there's a real um, inclination towards hyperbole sometimes, uh, and especially in terms of understanding how much uh, something like Bitcoin, uh, that's this new force can change things, right? Um, Bitcoin does have a, and, and crypto more broadly, do have um, an exciting dynamic community in Argentina. I actually got to spend time down there in February. Um, and uh, and there's there are a lot of folks who are really excited about what uh, what this asset might mean, especially in the context of, you know, uh, their money losing 20%, 25%, 30%, 40% over the course of a couple of years. Um, now, at the same time, uh, there's a, a lot more reality to this reality. Um, one is that, to Alex's point, uh, the number of people who actually understand Bitcoin and use Bitcoin in Argentina is still incredibly low, as it is everywhere in the world. Um, two, the the premium there is on the dollar, right? This is that's that's the place where you want to put uh, your money for it to retain value. You want to move it out of the peso. That's true, but you want to move it into something like the dollar, um, which brings up really interesting questions potentially about. Uh, things like Libra and things that are um, pegged separately and that have stable value. Uh, what, you know, those might be actually even more appealing in some ways than Bitcoin. Um, right now, what Bitcoin has is the largest liquidity pool, pool and the largest security um, that makes it attractive, even in the context of its volatility. Um, so, so that's another point is just that it, even as we look at what a uh, an external asset can do in something like Argentina, um, it's highly likely that something not just like a a, a, a non-sovereign crypto like um, like Bitcoin, but in fact one of these corporate coins or a stable coin or something might actually have more appeal, which actually we'll get into in just a minute. Um, three, you know, the the point that he's making that's really important to keep in mind is just that uh, there's there's huge things going on um, that are far beyond uh, the purview of something um, like any currency to solve. Um, and that, you know, we run the risk of, uh, of overstating and burning people out in the conversation through that hyperbole. Um, so, you know, I think it's an interesting moment. Um, to me, in some ways, Argentina is, is one of the most interesting places in the world in terms of crypto adoption, because it does have, you know, a thriving startup community, a thriving economic community. It has people who have been interested in cryptocurrency for years and years and years and years. It has um, a big part of the MakerDAO team or a meaningful part of their team is, is there. Um, and so there, there is awareness there. There's context and need. It's also not, uh, it hasn't collapsed um, like uh, like some, uh, like, like Venezuela, for example. Um, and, and moreover, it's also, there is real competition because at least for the last couple of years, as President Macri has been in power, there haven't been the same sort of currency control. So people have been able to hold USD uh, much more easily than they might have been able to before, right? They've been able to move their money out of pesos more easily than they have before. Um, so there is a, a, an active competition in some ways uh, for whatever that different global reserve currency is going to be. Um, so there's a ton that's worth paying attention to here. Um, and one one voice that I wanted to highlight is Mariano Conti. So uh, Mariano is um, well known to the community. Uh, he works on a variety of different things with MakerDAO. He was the head of Oracles for a while, and now he does a, a lot of different things 
things for them. Um, he was one of my my hosts when I was there in February, and so uh, when when uh, Dudas from the Block um, posted the article about Argentinian markets in chaos after the the, the election surprise. Mariano wrote, I live in Argentina and get paid and die. I'm the MFing Zen master today. Uh, he went on in a tweet of his own, another day, another collapse of the Argentine peso. 25% this time. I'm fairly well protected because of die, but millions of people will feel this and it'll hit them hard. Um, so I wanted to, uh, you know, as much as I can, I want to kind of uh, incorporate voices from people who are actually experiencing uh, whatever we're talking about or who are experts in whatever we're talking about on the Daily 3 at 3. And so with that, I'm actually going to turn it over to, um, to Mariano, who recorded a, a quick two-minute clip. Um, so I'm going to... Uh, uh, turn myself off for a minute and bring him up and uh, I'll be right back. Let me tell you, people are worried. Um, you saw what happened uh, with the market. The peso devaluated 25%, uh, stock market lost almost 40% in dollar terms. Um, so the expectation that the next government um, is going to come and start wrecking havoc on the free market, that's, that's very much uh, what everybody think is going to happen. It's what they did when they were in power, and it's probably what they're going to do now that uh, they come back into power. Um, the mood of a lot of people is of happiness because they voted uh, them in, right? Um, I'm, I'm not going to dispute that. Uh, but from a purely economic perspective, I think we're in for a rough uh, first, a rough three or four months until we have the actual election and change of power, and uh, then a rough couple of years at least. Um, I hope we don't see stuff like uh, defaulting on our loans uh, from the IMF, but I cannot say that we're not going to do that. We've done that sort of thing before. And what we can do right now, at, at least people like me in um, uh, my respective field is try to educate as many people as I can to at least have some of their money in uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, particularly, I would hope they would use DAI, which is the one I work uh, on. So I'm talking to as many freelancers as I can. Anybody who um, gets uh, who gets to work for an outside company and I'm trying to make them believers in crypto. That's what I've been doing. Take so I think a couple of things that are worth pointing out. One is it's important to remember that this is a democratic election where 47% said they want something different versus the 33% who said they want more of the same. Um, so the mood is there is not uniformly bad. And our picture from outside is uh, maybe different than the picture from inside. Um, second, I think, uh, you know, what Mariano made the great point around is that he's out there trying to convince freelancers, a specific group who he knows from his own experience can take advantage of crypto infrastructure as it is right now, not something in the future, but something right now um, to potentially be paid in crypto or uh, put part of their, their money in crypto that they don't have to just spend immediately. Um, and I think that, you know, as we think about what the larger network of, uh, of, of crypto enthusiasts, supporters, builders, et cetera, around the world can do, um, it supports some of those efforts, right? It's figure out what is right based on what's the ground and try to just help um, maybe think in terms of the individuals who crypto can help 
in these contexts rather than just uh, always focusing exclusively on um, the systemic hedge and what it might mean. So uh, I encourage us all to, to think a little bit about that. Um, and if you want to hear more from uh, Mariano, um, check out uh, POV Crypto Podcast. They did an emergency one, uh, emergency episode yesterday, which is super cool how fast they got this out. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but those guys do great work and I'm sure it's going to be good. Um, so yeah, so that's that's uh, the, the big kind of banner topic for me today is this idea of uh, what crypto's role is and isn't in um, in economic turmoil in Argentina and in a lot of different contexts. I think that we are unfortunately headed uh, for a place where we're going to have more context to ask uh, what the role of crypto is than less. Um, and so let's let's do that well. Um, but with that, let's move on to number two. Number two, so in, in news that I think was a surprise to absolutely no one yesterday, the SEC announced that they had delayed uh, making a decision of three th around three more uh, Bitcoin ETF proposals. Um, they said that it would be September 29th at the earliest. Um, I'm not sure where in the cycle this is of how many times they can kick it down the road before they kind of default to no and the, the whole cycle starts again. Um, but uh, I thought that this was a good question for Morio uh, yesterday. Can someone explain to me in simple terms why the SEC is refusing to approve uh, Bitcoin ETFs? Talk to me like I'm five years old. Um, Jake Travinsky uh, has been one of uh, the strong kind of legal voices on crypto Twitter. Um, and what he said was, SEC says Bitcoin markets are vulnerable to manipulation. Since a Bitcoin ETF would take its price from those markets, the ETF itself would be vulnerable to manipulation too. The SEC can't approve an ETF until those markets are regulated and manipulation can be Detected, detected and persecuted. Um, he goes on to say, it's less about preventing manipulation, more about being able to detect and prosecute manipulation when and where it occurs. The SEC wants surveillance from under enough underlying Bitcoin markets to feel confident about that ability. Yes, that means KYC, trade monitoring software, etc. Um, now, Gabor, uh, who works uh, at Van Eck, who's kind of one of the, has built the first gold ETF um, and is one of the leading contenders uh, for, to be approved for a Bitcoin ETF, um, kind of had a different opinion. He said, this is not the case for the Van Eck SolidX Bitcoin ETF. Prices are directly sourced from regulated broker dealers or direct affiliates of broker dealers. I don't believe the manipulation argument bears as much weight, real weight as it's portrayed in public discourse. Um, so uh, Anyways, I think that there's there's a couple things to say about this. First is just um, this idea of an ETF, I think is really, uh, it feels to me like there's a lot of things going on and for whatever reason, there just isn't the um, momentum around it. Now, how this changes over the course of the next few months or year or whatever it is uh, in the context of larger questions of uh, Libra and just crypto regulation, I think is yet to be seen. Um, but you know, the markets reacted, or at least they, they seem to, although no one knows exactly why markets move in what direction. Um, there was a bit of a sell-off and it may have been about ETF, it may have been about something else. But whatever the case uh, for now, the, the ETF dream is, uh, is still for the future. Um, and with that, let's move on quickly just to our last topic for the day. So uh, crypto developers, um, you know, price uh, and price action is obviously one indicator of, uh, of, of what's going on in the markets, but so is um, how developers are contributing to different projects. And so uh, Avishal and Electric Capital um, put out, uh, they did the first half of 2019 developer report. So I think that this is their second report. I remember the first one was huge. I mean, as I've said frequently, I love how much uh, data is available just in this in this ecosystem because it is open source and so much is on chain, but also how many great teams are doing this incredible work to uh, extract insights from that data. Um, and this is no exception. 
And so I wanted to go through quickly a few of the a few of the highlights. So these guys analyzed 22 million commits across 27,000 repositories, um, and they said while network values fell 80% from all-time highs, this is uh, this is over the crypto winter. Um, overall commit rates remained flat. Um, so that's kind of a good thing, right? It, there there seemed to be a, a consistency, if not growth, um, that uh, that was that that transcended the the market price. Um, now they did point out that monthly active developers were down year over year by 10%, but it looked like most of it had to do with um, the fall was uh, one time per month and part time developers. Uh, contributing in less frequently. So the basically most of the loss of developer commits had to do with um, part-timers not contributing while uh, full-timers increase year over year. So there's kind of a, a bifurcation of more full-time activity, but maybe less uh, part-time activity. Um, Bitcoin and Ethereum continue to have, to, uh, have healthy developer activities. So we, they point out that Bitcoin has 300 plus developers working. Ethereum has uh, 1,200 plus. Um, Ethereum represents one in five of all open source uh, developers in the crypto ecosystem right now. So obviously, this is surprising probably to no one, but um, you're seeing a huge amount of activity in Ethereum uh, comparatively. Um, it was interesting. I love this uh, on the far end of other end of network value for projects with less than 50 million of network value. Grin uh, Mimblewimble's ecosystem stands out with 33 contributing developers. Um, so this is a really interesting uh, just piece of data too, because they're looking not just at the kind of expected largest communities, but uh, which of the small caps and and kind of maybe s smaller or newer communities have that uh, that activity as well. Um, they also point out that over the 12 month trends, MakerDAO gave the gained the most, which I think is not particularly surprising just given the rise of DeFi, but that uh, Waves platform, Tezos, Attention Token, XRP, Cardano um, also grew, but that BCH, NEO, and Tron all losing the most, um, which I think, again, will probably surprise not that many people, but is um, will, will definitely be validating for some. Um, let's see what else was really interesting. Uh, <clears throat> Unsurprisingly, I thought this is an interesting conclusion. Unsurprisingly, developers like to follow momentum users in making money. DeFi is growing full-time developers and devs are investing um, more infrastructure projects. Perhaps that uh, things that businesses and other devs may pay for. Um, this kind of reflects also what you're seeing in terms of investment trends, right? Like more of the attention is on either base layer protocols or scaling solutions at layer two or uh, DeFi, right? Uh, versus dApps and, and things that we were talking about a year ago or especially two years ago. Um, so anyways, there's a there's a huge amount of really interesting uh, uh, stuff in here, but the, the banner headline for these guys was full-time devs are sticking around um, and, uh, and infrequent in contributors are, are leaving. But the ecosystem is getting stronger in terms of the people who are actually making careers there. So um, there's a huge amount of information to dig in there. I highly recommend going through it all, not just the uh, the Twitter highlights. Um, but yeah, thanks those guys for uh, Electric Capital for, for their great work. Um, and thank you guys for hanging out, listening and watching. Uh, we'll be back next or we'll be back tomorrow uh, with more. Um, I think that sometime this week we're going to look into Hong Kong. I want to figure out how to do it justice. Again, um, you know, I really believe that the context for crypto are these larger battles and struggles to figure out how power is going to realign itself um, in the 21st century kind of internet native era. And, uh, and you have to look at issues like Hong Kong and um, and what's going on there as, as part of that. So look out for that later this week. I don't know if it'll be tomorrow or the next day. And for now, signing off. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Cheers.